Sportsnet today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Calgary. All right, let's get it going. On the 21st of September. Kick that music up for me, Aaron. It is Sportsnet today here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, Logan Gordon, along with me. The man spinning the tunes and keeping us afloat on the airwaves is Aaron Howell. We're coming at you live from the Sportsnet 960 downtown studios in beautiful Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Welcome to training camp, ladies and gentlemen. We officially kick off the 2022 edition of the Calgary Flames season with physicals today and our first on-ice session with three groups tomorrow morning. It is finally here. We will start to talk about groups and pairings and lines heading into preseason games. We can finally start to get here on a NHL season unlike any other coming up for the Calgary Flames. After a second round defeat to the Oilers last season, the process now begins for a much different looking group to try and exceed what the group last year was able to do. Uh, busy program for you today. GM Brad Living did speak to the media in a press conference a little bit earlier on today. Some interesting pieces uh, coming from the GM that I want to share with you. So we will uh, go back to the Saddle Dome from just a couple of hours ago and play you that press conference in its entirety so you can hear directly from the GM. Plus, a little bit later on in Flames Talk, you don't want to miss it, uh, an exclusive one-on-one with the GM. Pat Steinberg going to sit down with the Flames GM and get you set for a great Flames season. Do have some Flames news to pass your way today ahead of training camp getting underway, and that is with their lone RFA remaining. Uh, Adam Ruzicka has officially signed his contract with the Calgary Flames. It is a two-year contract with Ruzicka and the Flames. Ruzicka, a fourth-round pick of the team back in 2017, skating in 28 games for the Flames last season. Notched five goals, five assists. 23-year-old also skating in 16 games for Stockton last year where he had 11 goals and 9 assists for 20 points. That was the last piece of business that the Flames needed to get done in all of this, and it is now finally secured and put away. Um, I, I guess I shouldn't say that. There is still one piece of business. I don't really know how you want to call it business or not. The Brett Ritchie news that... Uh, Eric Francis has been on for a couple of days. Um, Nothing official has come from the club. Brad does speak to it uh, in the press conference, which we're going to play in just a couple moments here. Um, But nothing's official yet. He is on the training camp roster, is going to be part of the physicals, and expected to be part of the group tomorrow uh, once camp gets underway. But as of right now, no actual official contract. But we're expecting a one-year deal uh, for Brett Ritchie to return to the Calgary Flames after uh, 41 games last season, including seven in the postseason. So training camp kicks off today. Uh, we'll jump back to the Flames in just a couple of moments. Wanted to talk about 
Uh, a couple of quick things across the sporting world today here on Sportsnet Today. Uh, we will chat some baseball and Aaron Judge coming up next segment. Adnan Verk going to join us on a Wednesday uh, to chat about the historic home run that the uh, Yankee slugger hit last night and a huge win for the Yankees uh, after the Jays were able to pull off a wild one against the Phillies. Uh, they continue to hold that lead in the AL East thanks to a comeback win over the Pirates. NHL training camps across the league are getting underway. We have some news out of Buffalo. Uh, the Sabres have just announced an extension for general manager Kevin Adams. Uh, so the man that uh, got the Jack Eichel deal done last year is going to stick around with the Buffalo Sabres on a multi-year contract extension. And uh, we'll get to see through uh, at least part of this rebuild, which uh, we're expecting to ramp up for Buffalo now that the likes of first overall pick Owen Power uh, is expected to play the uh, first full season of his NHL career with them as well. A couple other quick news and notes. Uh, NFL Joe Hayden retiring after 12 seasons in the NFL. He's going to sign a one-day contract with the Browns. Uh, Mike Evans' suspension upheld by the NFL. He will miss their game coming up against the Packers after that altercation that saw him get kicked out in their game against the New Orleans Saints. When we have Jays baseball on your radio again tonight uh, after that wild game against the Phillies last night. Another 445 first pitch. Kevin Gosman on the mound. Jays look for their seventh straight series victory. The Phillies have lost five in a row. Toronto, a uh, cool 20 games above 500 right now, sitting at 84 and 64. Uh, that's enough around the uh, sporting world. Let's get to it. What you want to hear, uh, that's the general manager of the Calgary Flames, Brad Treliving, on this uh, opening of Flames training camp today, spoke to the media in the Ed Whalen Media Lounge at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Lots of topics to cover here, including some injury news and notes on a couple of players heading into the beginning of training camp, some news on Brett Ritchie, and uh, now that the summer's officially come to an end for him, uh, expectations for his group heading into a big season. Uh, here is the GM of the Calgary Flames, Brad Treliving, with the Calgary Media earlier today at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Just a couple of things uh, I just wanted to walk through. A little bit about camp. Uh, I've got a couple of player updates um, and then open up to any questions that you have. So we will have 67 players in camp. Um, medicals, physicals um, took place today and are taking place as we, as, as we go. We'll break into three teams, um, three groups. And there are, you know, for the first three days, there'll be um, maybe some movement between those groups. Um, and then we get into day four will be a split squad game. And then, um, you know, there could be some activity after, after we get through three or four days of camp. Um, I do have a couple of player updates before coming into camp. Oliver Shillington um, will, not, um, will not be attending the start of camp here. Oliver is dealing with a personal family issue. Um, I think it's important to say this is not um, substance related, substance abuse related. Um, he is dealing with a personal issue, a family issue. The organization is um, in, fully, in full support of Oliver. And I would just ask media members and, and, and people alike um, to give Oliver some privacy in this time right now. Um, but, uh, and, and this will be the last we talk about it until I have any other further updates, but uh, we're fully supportive of Oliver and uh, been in touch with him 
um, but we just want to give him some time right now. Uh, additionally, uh, Andrew Mangiapani, um, he tweaked, he had a tweak uh, during some summer skates. We don't anticipate it's going to be anything, um, it's going to be, we anticipate it's going to be very short term, but he is skating on his own right now with our, our uh, medical staff, our skills, our skills and development people. Um, and then he, he probably rejoined the group here in the next couple of days. So those two player updates. Um, and then uh, with that, we're excited to get going. And uh, any questions you might have? Because you're all busily typing. It's <laughs> a lot of information. Yeah. Uh, just, I, I guess Brett Ritchie signed, signed a one-year deal, one-way, two-way. Has there been an announcement yet, Eric? Uh, we no, anticipate that there will be a contract coming until it's done. It's never done. But uh, we anticipate um, that Brett will be signed here later today. I just saw his name on the roster. Yeah. Yes, he is on the roster. He'll be attending camp. No, we, 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 we anticipate that we'll have something formal here in short order. I guess in general, uh, after everything that's unfolded over the summer and you know how the team's uh, evolved the last few years, how do you feel about uh, I guess your organizational depth, especially in that forward group where you have you know some some guys at the AHL level who had really good seasons last year. You have some guys at PTOs. You have some new faces. Like how do you how do you feel about the the mix of that group? Well, we'll see, Ryan. I mean, that's what training camp's for, right? I know, you know, we've got, I think we've got some, we've got lots of bodies. Um, how well you play determines how much depth you have, right? So um, we've got some, you know, we've got some players in here on PTOs that are looking to earn jobs. As you said, we've had some players that, that had really good seasons in the American League last year. Um, you know, you get to training camp every year and everybody's like, well, um, you know, is there a spot for this guy? I want to make it real clear. Uh, whether you're 18 or 28, play well, there'll be a spot. You know, we've shown that in the past. I remember Dylan Dubay's training camp and Yusuf Valamaki's training camp. There was no spots, uh, apparently. But they were on the opening day roster because they played their way on the roster. Um, good teams, it's got to be hard. To, I've said it many times. It's like a club. An exclusive club is hard to get into. This is the NHL. Nothing is given. So whether you're PTO, whether you're an existing player under contract, whether you're uh, an American League player last year, young player, old player, we're looking to dress the best lineup. We're trying to win, and uh, if you can help us win, um, you're on the team. The roller coaster off season now is just kind of time to see where things fit now. But other markets are saying that you know you changed the tide of this NHL off season. Is it good to have so many eyeballs from around the NHL on Calgary and have that stage and spotlight as the season opens? Well, the summer, <laughs> this idea of winning the summer is a load of crap. I think I just you you you, you try to win in the winter. Um, the summer really is irrelevant. <laughs> um, so we like our team coming in. Um, last year's last year. It's in the rearview mirror. We got a lot of questions to answer. Like wh who wh we've had, we've had significant turnover. When you look at the you know sort of the top of the food chain, and so where do they fit? How do they fit? Um, that process starts tomorrow. So um, you know I, I I've said it before. I'm excited because the players are excited, but. All this talk over the summer is just that. I've, 
usually when they talk about having a great summer, you know, we're more worried about having a great winter um, and spring. But uh, I'm excited to see the group, but we've got lots of questions to answer. And the, this camp is really, really important, as they all are, but to sort everything out, you know, from our defense. And, you know, we've got lots of players. We've got lots of players there, and I think competition is good. Um, it should be hard to make the team, um, you know, we talk about depth in the blue line. Like I said, you only have depth if they play well. Um, but I'm excited to see where all the pieces fit. And I know Daryl and the staff have been working at that for a while. So I'm like you. I'm, I'm interested to see how this thing goes. Brad, you touched on the defense just now. Just the idea of that questions and maybe a bit of a logjam, depending on how you look at it. How do you look at what's going on in that blue line with so many guys in one-way contracts? Well, I'm not so worried about the one-way contracts. Um, again, it comes back to, I think, that's why I'm really excited to see the preseason games, right? Like people are going to, you know, there's certain guys that you, you're trying to see. I guess it's, it's, it's twofold, Ryan, who, who plays with who, like who you, you never know where chemistry is going to be. Um, so sorting out that. And then, you know, there's some new faces. Um, we've got some younger players that are, you know, they've got to, they've got to push the door down. It's their time now. So, um, the contract situation is irrelevant. It's it's the play situation that matters. Um, the idea was to come in here with a lot of depth. And again, you're always numbers doesn't mean depth. You know, uh, playing well means depth. And and I think we got lots of guys that come in great shape. Um, there's only X amount of players that you can dress. So I'm I'm excited to see the competition, and I think we'll have a lot of it. Does that maybe speak to the PTOs as well on the outside? Not that you focus on what everybody's saying out of here, but just the idea that there's some surprise and some banter about who you brought in on PTOs and, and that type of thing. But I, I would imagine this is all part of your plan to have a pretty healthy camp. Yeah, I think you, to, to get where you want to get to, you've got to have competition. You've got to have depth. You know, uh, the players that have come in on PTOs are, you know, they're players that have been established in the league. Um, they're hungry. You know, they... They look at this as an opportunity for them, and, and uh, everybody's trying to win a job here. And when you, when, you, when you try to have a good team, you should have a lot of competition. If it's easy to get in, probably not that good of a team. So there should be a respectful under, uncomfortableness, um, is what I like to say, um, of, of the process of putting camp together, and it's by design. And again, if you're good enough, I don't care where you played last year. I don't care how old you are. Um, Daryl ultimately make that decision. Um, but I think we're going to have competition at every position. Brad, you mentioned uh, chemistry just a moment ago. Like I wonder, to a certain extent, you had a little bit of that last year with new faces, um, but you have it again this year. Is that something that you guys think a little bit about? Is it kind of just upon the players to develop that, or how do you kind of? about chemistry yeah I think you start you know for the most part the group's been here for the last couple of weeks skating so there you, you develop a the relationships and the the bond but chemistry you got to get in and see live bullets you just don't know right we can all we've probably all put our lines together on a napkin right usually that lasts 10 minutes and then you don't know where chemistry is going to come from right um you know so that's why you go through camp I mean that's why you play all the games that's why you go through the practices. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm being perfectly honest with you. Daryl and I have talked about it all summer, but we don't know. I mean, you just don't know where it fits and matches. You have an idea where you think maybe skill sets fit, but ultimately until you get out, until you get out on the ice, until you get in, into 
competitive situations, we'll see. But I think the group's been together, you know, for a while. They've built they've built the bond. Um, you know, it's a it's a tight knit group. There's a lot of guys that have been here before, are returning. The new guys have fit in, but you know that's different from on ice chemistry. So we'll start that tomorrow. You still in the market for a winger, uh, either by way of another PTO ad or or some other way? Um, we'll see. Um, Eric, I want to see how, you know, we got the group here, so you want to see how that plays out. I think if you look at our group right now, in all honesty, you know, I want to, that top nine is still kind of a work in progress, I think, for us, so how everything's going to work out in an ideal world, you know, with somebody on the right side. Again, there's opportunities for guys here. I want to see how our players perform first. Um, and like I said, we've had young players here. We'll see. Um, it's, it's up to them. Um, but I don't think anybody's done tinkering, but, you know, we've got a lot of bodies here to evaluate. Um, that process started for some of the young guys in Penticton. Now they'll jump into here. Then we've got some PTO guys. So I, I kind of want to get a handle on what we've got here. Let Daryl get a handle on what we've got here, but you're always, you know, you're always sniffing around probably. You mentioned the fact that there are a lot of questions you have to have answered about the roster. It's mm -hmm. been mentioned with the amount of attention that's been thrust upon you and with some of the key players of your nucleus who are either almost 30 or a little over 30, naturally there's going to be a lot of pressure thrust upon the organization to win. And I'm just curious in your own description, what's it been like feeling that pressure to be in this win-now mode? Well, that's a lot of that win-now is you're always trying to win, Julian. First of all, welcome to Calgary. Hopefully you got moved in. I'll tell you the guys to stay and the gals to stay away from. Um, the... Uh, I mean, that's the job, right? So there's no, there's no new pressure this year as opposed to last year as opposed to five years ago. Um, we're looking to get into camp here um, and worry about day one and build a team. Now you're trying to build a team. So all the other outside noise and all the rest of it, um, we don't really pay a lot of attention to it. You've got to be singularly focused. If we've got to, you know, tomorrow is day one of building a team. And there's a process that you go through in that. It doesn't just happen. And the fact, you know, last year's over with. Whatever you did last year doesn't mean you're going to win 20 games this year, 10 games doesn't mean you're going to win a game. you got to have to start the whole process over again. And, uh, and that's, that's the mentality of the group. We're not worried about anything other than having a good first day and seeing how everything starts to fit here. With that, though, what's your own personal expectation for this group? What's the measuring stick for success versus failure once the season's done? Well... Number one is our goal is to be a playoff team, right? You start every year. You can have all sorts of aspirations. Number one, it's extremely hard to be a playoff team in this league. <clears throat> and whatever you've done and whatever your resume tells you, you still have to go play the games. So we sat in here last year, and I think there was very little expectation of this team on the outside. Um, the team had a good year. Um, we start that whole process over again. So number one, you to do anything in this league, you have to be a playoff team, and you have to earn your way in it. You know, you don't get there any other way. Is you have to earn it over 82 games, and that's 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 our goal right now. Whether you get the competitive and otherwise uh, advantages of having your AHL team in the same city. Yeah, you know what, Donna, it, it's um, it's been something we've talked about ever since I got here. I think there's, especially in a cap world, um, easier access to your players um, is number one. Number two is just easier. You, you can see them. You know, you see them on a more regular basis. You know, Brad Pascal, 
um, and our development team and our and our and our um, you know coaching staff down there sees them every day when they're in Stockton. The fact that you know the management now can have access to see them practice every day I think is a huge piece. Um, so access, um, you know, our ability to be around them more often, our development team to be around them daily. And then the other thing, Donna, which I think is important, especially in a Canadian market, is they get to, you know, they get to sort of live what it's like in a Canadian market. And it's different playing in a Canadian market. Another, you know, people know what's going on with the team. And I think that's all part of the development process. You know, being, you know, sort of when you're with the Wranglers, you see what's going on in Calgary every day. And that prepares you. Because when you sometimes, you know, come out of junior college, Europe, go to the American League and you're you're not in that pressure cooker, you know, it can it can slap you in the face. So those are the three things that we looked at in terms of um, number one is just made for how do we, uh, what's the best way to develop our players and we think the having the team in Calgary has got a lot of benefits. Organizationally, is it complicated though having like the three hockey teams all playing out of the same city? The three teams out of, under the Flames yeah. umbrella. Yeah, the trainers, I have made no friends with the training staff. Um, <laughs> So it's, it's going to be a challenge um, logistically, you know. Now, now what, what the Rangers will do for the most part is they're going to be based out at Winsport. That'll be their, they'll practice, they'll pregame skate, they'll, they'll come to the Dome to play games and then go back to their, you know, back to their cave. Um, so no question game nights. And it's not just the games, it's sometimes you got two teams playing and then you may have a doubleheader and then you got NHL teams that are waiting to get into rooms. So there's some logistical nightmares. Um, but at the end of the day, we made the decision, what's the best development model for our, for our players? And that's, that's what we decided on. Brad, uh, this time last year we were talking about two stars going into the final seasons of their contracts. And this year it's you and Daryl. Is there any update on you and Daryl like entering the final season of the period deal in the future? No, no update. Uh, won't uh, really we'll address it today and then move on as we did with uh, any player contracts that to me it's a non-issue um, we're focused on we're focused on getting going in camp um, but it you know I put to rest that there's no you know is he going to do something to you know crazy because he's in the last year of his contract uh, no he's not um, so we will we'll deal with that when it's at the appropriate time but Right now, the focus is just getting going here. You uh, last season, the the club didn't have a captain. Went with the leadership group, and it seemed to to work pretty well. You mentioned, uh, you know, you're beginning the team building process for this coming season. Does how things went last year with no formal captaincy change how you approach this year, or is it sort of something you have to go year by year and see how it goes? It's a good question, Ryan. I will see. I mean, Daryl and I've talked about it a little bit. I think. Yeah. You, that's got to play out. I don't think you just name a captain just to check it off a list. Um, I think those things just we'll we'll see how everything goes. And uh, you know we've got some new people in here. I think number one, our number one priority is just to get everybody together and get the group formed. And like I said, start building the team. The what I enjoy is the is the team building process. Um, and then we'll see, obviously, I think we've got lots of strong leaders on this group. Um, we have to let this play out, and that's something we'll talk about, you know, during and throughout camp. Also, any update on uh, Chris Tanev? Yeah, Chris will, um, Chris will, I haven't talked to the docs. Um, they're going through their medicals right now. 
but we anticipate everything's going to be good. Chris will be on the ice um, with the group tomorrow, and then we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, we, we may probably not play him in preseason games initially, you know, uh, the first little bit of preseason games, but we anticipate that he's going to be full goal here starting tomorrow. Follow up on Brian's previous question yeah. about the captaincy. If throughout looking at the roster and the team building, would you and Darrow be open to the possibility that maybe you give the C to one of your new guys that came in this offseason? You know what, Julian, I'm not, I think those are all questions that I, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to anything, right? Like I said, I think you, you have to, sometimes we, we rush to say, okay, let's do this. Let's, let's just see how things work out, right? Um, let's see how the group dynamic works. Let's just see how this all plays out. Um, but I'm, you know, like I said, that's something Daryl and I will talk about, but not opposed to anything. Let's just see how the focus. And really, it's not it's not a it's not a priority for us. I think uh, you know, making sure making sure everything fits is is the priority. So we'll see how how things work over the course of the next little bit. There you go, the general manager of the Calgary Flames, Brad Treliving, speaking to the media as 2022 training camp begins for the Calgary Flames. Uh, some news and notes to pick up out of that one in case you missed it. Oliver Shillington will be away from the team to start training camp, dealing with a personal family issue. Uh, Brad, quick to point out that it was not a substance issue or a personal um, you know, problem that Oliver's having. It's a family thing. Uh, we're going to respect his privacy, and uh, when he's ready to, to join his teammates, uh, he will do so. Andrew Mangiapane will not start the uh, training camp on the ice with the Flames, tweak something during training uh, for the upcoming season, and uh, will take some time to recover. As you heard towards the end there, an update on Chris Tanev, doing good, expecting him to be a full go at uh, on-ice sessions that begin tomorrow. But uh, as far as preseason games go, don't expect to see much of number eight. And let's be honest, at this point in his career, based on the years he's had here in Calgary to, uh, you know, since coming over from Vancouver, I don't think we need to see a ton of number eight. I think the practice sessions with whoever his D partner is going to be, um, probably much more of a priority. And yes, the quick update on Brett Ritchie, nothing official yet, but uh, perhaps something a little bit later on today uh, we'll get news. He is on the training camp roster, so... I think that's as official as it gets without uh, an actual announcement from the team. So uh, we'll see. On-ice sessions get going tomorrow as soon as uh, groups are announced. For those on-ice sessions, we'll bring them to you, and we'll talk about it here on Sportsnet 960. Don't forget uh, the general manager who you just heard from uh, speaking into uh, you know the general Calgary media. And with that press conference, he's going to join Pat uh, during Flames Talk today for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the GM just after 3.30 this afternoon. So be tuned in just after 3.30 this afternoon, the GM with a one-on-one -on -one with our own Pat Steinberg. We'll take a break, come back on the other side, finish off Sportsnet today. A little baseball chat coming up with our pal Adnan Verk. A historic night last night in New York. Aaron Judge doing something that not many have done before him and that contract just continues to loom large for the Yankees next season. We'll chat some baseball with uh, MLB and NHL Network analyst Adnan Verk next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Deep to left field. There it goes. Number 60, Aaron James Judge has tied George Herman Babe Ruth with 60 home runs. That was the home run call yesterday on the Yes Network. 
Aaron Judge blasts his 60th home run of the season in the ninth inning of Tuesday's game with the Pittsburgh Pirates, pulling him into a tie with Babe Ruth for the second most in a season in Yankees history, one behind Roger Maris's club record of 61. And what perfect timing to have our next guest on on a Wednesday as we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to welcome in our pal from the MLB Network and NHL Network plus the Cinephile Podcast. It's our pal Adnan Vert joining us on Sportsnet today. Adnan, good afternoon, pal. How are you? I'm doing great, Logan. It is, uh, let's see if I can do the Celsius. I'm at plus 27 right now, 82 Ooh. degrees. Truly warm day. September underrated weather month. I'm going to throw that one at you because I think June is nice. July we all love. August you start to go, oh, my God, some of these days, you know, plus 30s. This is getting a little tough. September, right, you're late plus 20s. And then by the end of the month, you're going into low 20s. It's a nice little chill at night. A September underrated month. And I'm telling you, great weather today here in Jersey. Unfortunately, Adnan, uh, that just proves everything we need to know about the time you've spent in September here in Calgary. Uh, where we're regularly uh, under frost advisories at night right now. It will warm up a bit, uh, but as someone with a birthday in September, I can tell you uh, I've had my fair, share, uh, my fair share of snowy birthdays in September here in Calgary. Oh, okay. You know, I'll retract the statement. You're right. September's not as good a weather month as I'd hope, particularly in the great city of Calgary. When is your birthday, Logan? I should know these. Uh, 29th, coming up in uh, like a week or so. Okay, I'm putting it in the calendar. That way I'll remember. That's good to know. You're, you're turning you're 28. Uh, 29. Okay, good guess. Very close. Looking Very good. close. Right. Uh, about halfway to uh, <laughs> the amount of home runs that Aaron uh, Judge has smacked this season um, in the worst transition I could possibly come up with. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, talk to me about this, Ed, because I mean, look, you and me have talked about this guy all season long. It's been, it's been remarkable every every step of the way from the beginning of the season. I know the conversation we had was, look, this guy said no to the New York Yankees last season, and no one does that. And now he's exceeding expectations. Now he's blown the roof off of expectations, and he's just a, a home run away from tying Roger Maris's record as a member of the New York Yankees. It's just, I don't know what else to say about the season the judges had so far, other than it just continues to be remarkable. Yeah, there's so many superlatives we can put on it, but what's amazing is that, you know, the, the Otani crowd, which for good reason, pumps up their boy and says, listen, he's going to get some more credit here in the MVP race. At this point, it's gotten too quiet because Aaron Judge is having one of the greatest offensive seasons ever in the history of baseball. The fact that he's trying to join Mickey Mantle in 56 and Lou Gehrig in 1934, only Yankees win the Triple Crown, is amazing. And I think of all the numbers, what stands out to me is the fact he's got 60, he's tied Babe Ruth, and he's so much better than everybody else in terms of home runs. Like when McGuire and Sosa were going 70 and 66 and 98, it was impressive, but other guys were having monstrous seasons. Here, there's nobody you know, within two-thirds of that total, which is what makes it so amazing. And just his flair for the dramatic. I mean, he's the sixth different player to have 60 homers in the season. It's 61 years after Maris's historic season that his next homer is going to be number 61. That solo shot kicked off a five-run rally last night when Stanton had the walk-off grand slam. And Maris's kids, Roger Jr. and Kevin, were in attendance on Tuesday. More Maris family members 
are going to be joining them tonight. And I, I think everyone expects it to happen. I mean, he's, or sooner rather than later, he's hitting 471, uh, 1029 OPS slugging percent, excuse me, 1029 slugging percent, 11 home runs, 19 RBI during a 19 game on base streak. And the batting average has gone from 293 to 316. Like, that's where it's nuts. You go, okay, he's going to break Maris's record. He's got the most RBI. He's going to be a batting champion. Like, he, he took over the lead mm-hmm. effect just ahead of Xander Bogart and Luis Arise. He joined Miguel Cabrera, only triple crown winners in the last 50 years. I just can't imagine, Logan, a guy with that kind of balance, that kind of power, that kind of strength, and that kind of average. It's remarkable. But my only lament is I have a media pass, as you know, and I've been trying to convince myself I should just ditch the kids tonight and go to Yankee Stadium and be, and be in attendance when he hits number 61. I, I can't pull that move. But I'll tell you this. If, he, if it gets to Sunday, and I don't think it will, I'm actually off Sunday night. And I figure Sunday of the weekend is a little better, right? You're with the yeah. kids all day. There's no homework tonight. So I, I might be able to duck out Sunday night, Sunday night baseball, Red Sox-Yankees. If Judge doesn't have the record by then, your boy will be in attendance, I think, Sunday night. And there's something about the the flair for dramatic that only comes in New York. I know it's not old Yankee Stadium, but it's still, I, I mean, lastly, it's a Tuesday night in New York, and your pal Aaron Boone talked about it last night, about that atmosphere in the ninth. It's the Pirates. The Pirates are terrible. No one cares about the Pittsburgh Pirates, but that crowd was electric, and you heard the pop when it came off of the bat as, as to how the crowd went off. And I I'm, can only imagine what it's going to be like tonight as he actually has a chance to tie the record with Maris. It's just uh, the moment never seems too big for Judge in all of this, and there probably isn't a bigger stage for him to do this on than in New York. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, it's like Sinatra once saying, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And that's how people feel about New York City. And, uh, you know, it kind of goes back to my boy Booney was saying, I was listening to him, I texted him after, I really enjoyed, he was on the show with John Heyman and Joel Sherman, a couple of my colleagues uh, from MLB Network, and their, their podcast is very good. And they asked that question that you're asking me, you know, what's different about Judge? He goes, honestly, it's genuine, the fact that he wants to win more than anything else. And he says, I know it's a cliche, but everything follows after that. So whether he's 0 for 5 or 5 for 5, as long as we win, we're good. He goes, so what that does is it frees you up to have so much confidence and so much um, relaxation. You know, it's weird. In baseball, if you get it too uptight, if you squeeze that back too much, bad things happen, right? It's just it can be overwhelming and stressful. But judge, because by virtue of the fact all he cares about is winning, and the team is winning. They've won 10 of the last 14 games. They're going to win the division. Then everything becomes so much more easier for him. Everything's more relaxing. And, I, I, again, to go back, what's so impressive is the fact that nobody else in the lineup was hitting until recently. Mm-hmm. Like he was literally carrying the one-man band, which is why I love the fact that Booney was batting in leadoff. And he said, yeah, that to be perfectly blunt, he goes, the, the more at bats he gets, more chances at home runs, more chances to help the team. Like, is he your prototypical three or four hitter? Sure. But if I bat him leadoff, He's going to hit more, period. And the fact that he doesn't have to worry about protection, like Stanton is not the same player. No. Grand Slam Yeskin is great, but you can tell he is not at 100%. He's limping his way through here. But the other guys are starting to play better. Josh Donaldson, eight runs in eight games. Rizzo's back, four for 11 homers, first two games back. How about Harrison Bader makes his debut, two for four RBI. And uh, Jose Trevino, even two for four RBI. So Judge really carried these guys, and hopefully now they can kind of follow suit. And now all of a sudden this Yankees team will be a lot tougher to face in the playoffs rather than just one guy you have to worry about. And and based on how things have gone for the Yankees this year, you mentioned Stanton. Our pals at uh, Sportsnet Stats had a couple of great stats today coming off of last night. 
This team certainly has a flair for the dramatic. Yeah, you mentioned the home runs and all of that, but Stanton's walk-off last night uh, on Tuesday was the Yankees' MLB high 15th walk-off of the season. The Padres are closest. They've got 11, and the Yankees twice now this year have a walk-off grand slam when trailing by three runs. Stanton did it last night. Donaldson did it back in August. Then it hadn't happened before that for the Yankees since Giambi in 02. And before that, it hadn't happened since September of 1925 with the Babe. Wow. Again, the historical context is what makes it impressive. And that's why, even if you're a Yankee hater, you got to respect the pinstripes. you got to appreciate the tradition. You know, when you're talking Babe Ruth, when you're talking Lou Gehrig, you're talking Mickey Mantle, when you're going way back, that's what makes it so um, special because you can appreciate the reverence these guys have for the sport. And, you know, Babe was a larger-than-life figure, so is Aaron Judge. Where do you look at the Yankees' uh, season as a whole now, Ed, then? Because obviously, you know, the the season as a whole kind of gets put on hold when you talk about the, the next couple of days because all the focus will be on Judge and the record. But, you know, they've slipped a bit. The Blue Jays have come on strong the last month. They're just five and a half games up, and normally that wouldn't be such a big deal this late in the season, but it's a fairly significant number considering where it was, I don't know, all-star break when the lead was significant and no one thought it was going to be shaved down heading into the postseason? Yeah, I think it's crazy. When you look at all these different division leads right now, and the fact that the Yankees, you know, five-plus game lead, the Guardians and White Sox been a good series. How about that as an aside? Guardians and White Sox, you know, Chicago went into that series they know they got to sweep, right? Okay, I, I hear the two and three still a lot. No, no, no. you got to sweep. you go one game back, 12 games, and instead that gets the issue done as Cleveland just steps up big time. You know, the West, obviously, the Astros run away. The Dodgers in the West is ridiculous, right, 21-game lead. Jeez. And the Mets and the Braves, you know, the Mets and the Braves are crazy. One of those teams, Logan, is going to 100 games and be a wild card team. It's just nuts. <laughs> like, how would you feel? You're the Mets. You're in first place from April 12th to, like, early September. And also the Braves catch you, and I think the Mets hold on, but I don't know. It's going to go right down the wire. So it's um, it's been fun division races, no doubt about it. What do you make of the the team that we cover here most so far, the Toronto Blue Jays? I I had this conversation with somebody on Twitter the other day, and uh, you know, was a fan of the team, and said, "Look, I just I don't know how to believe in this group because at times they look like they have the last couple of weeks, Adnan, where they're on the verge of winning their seventh straight series in a row tonight when they take on the Phillies, but." At times, they can be extremely lackadaisical defensively. They look like as soon as they faced a competent left-handed uh, you know, thrower, they're going to have trouble at the plate. I don't know what to make of the Toronto Blue Jays this season. Yeah, it, it's really confounding. You're right, because I keep trying to tell people, hey, if it's not the Astros in the American League, why not the Jays? And you know, all the smart people I work with say, nah. Watch out for the Mariners. They're like, the Mariners look pretty loaded. They're like, that's starting pitching. Castillo's a stud. Robert Ray, last couple starts, no good. But the six starts before that, he was awesome. You add in a little bit lower. Logan Gilbert, George Kirby. We love J-Rod, Eugenio Suarez, Ty France. But I'm like, I try to make the case for the Jays. And you're right. That's the response I get is they go, uh, okay, we all love Manoa. But Gosman, he's been getting lit up by the long ball. Seven home runs over his last four starts. He only gave up seven homers in his first 24 starts. Barrios is way too hit and miss, and we love Ross Stripling, but even he got roughed up, although the Jays' offense was ridiculous, scoring 18 runs yesterday. So, uh, I listen, I think the Jays can make a run. I think they can get to an ALCS. Do I think they're a World Series team? No, but they've won five of their last seven. 
the fact there's seven and a half games clear of the Orioles were in fourth place, that to me is what I look at as a statement. That Labor Day series, they swept that doubleheader. Jays took three of four, and that was it. And then this past weekend, Orioles come to town. They had to sweep. Jays took two of three. So what makes you believe in Toronto is when they have to win, when they play their best baseball, they have done so. But I understand the fact that inconsistency makes people a little bit wary. One guy, by the way, who's been great lately is Danny Jansen. Yes. 1265 OPS in his last 10 games. That's one thing that's really impressive, Logan, for the Blue Jays, is how they have catchers who can hit. That is such a premium in the, in the game today. Martin Maldonado can't hit for nothing. You know why he's on the Astros? He's great defensively, and yeah. Verlander loves him. Yeah. But if you can actually have a catcher that can hit, Adley Rutschman is a great example of that with Baltimore. The Jays got two guys, McKirk and Jansen. To me, that is such a luxury with this team, and one of the reasons why I do like Toronto, the fact they've got that depth. And by the way, Vlad Jr., 13-game hit streak, he's sitting 316. Nice to see Vladdy stepping up. But, but I, I am a little bit concerned about Gosman. You know, 5.40 ERA's last five starts. He's got to be your number two. He's critical to their chances come playoff time. You mentioned the Astros there, and, you know, we talked about some of the inconsistencies the Blue Jays have. And I just, I'm so impressed with how the Astros have been this consistent force the last couple of years. I, I caught your chat on intentional talk with, with Kevin Millar, and I, I heard how much he loves this team. And, it's kind of hard not to love the the spot they're in, Adnan. They're going to be the best team in the American League, and here we are. No one's talking about them because of everything else that's going on around us, right? Even we're talking about the Mariners and what they could do in the wild card spot. I haven't heard anybody talking about the Astros. Yeah, it's funny. Nobody gives them any love, and, you know, I totally get it. And, you know, we get tired of the same old thing. But, you know, last five years they made the ALCS. They don't just make the playoffs. They actually make some noise. And this year, again, they're pitching 2.92 ERA. Got the best pitching staff in the American League. Such as Verlander, Fromber Valdez has an incredible record of consecutive starts, of quality starts. Jose Arquiti is impressive. Luis Garcia, their bullpen will take care of business. And then offensively, Jordan Alvarez is a stud. You know, he's obviously vital to the team. Bregman's been really good with lots of little stretches. one of Millar's favorites. Altuve is still there. So I think, you know, you get accustomed to greatness and you go, okay, all right, who else? What else? But the Astros are loaded. And for much of the year, remember at one point the Yankees were on pace to win 122 games, had a miserable August, but now they're going to right the ship, win 100 games, whatever it is. The Astros have been consistent start to finish to the one seed for a reason. And you and I both know, rarely do you see both one seeds match up. So anybody thinking it's chalk that it's Astros-Dodgers, well, I don't think so. But Houston's going to be formidable. There's no question about it. And People just get tired of great. It's kind of the Patriots, right? All that great run year after year, Belichick Green. It's kind of like with the Astros. People just get tired of it, but there's no doubting that they are the best team in the American League. Uh, I have to get a couple hockey questions in with you. We're excited here. Training camp for the Flames uh, officially kicking off today with uh, physicals. They'll get on the ice tomorrow. So we're all jacked up on hockey around here in Calgary. But uh, I have to ask you, me and Pat, we've been going back and forth on this one for a couple weeks. Uh, Nathan McKinnon officially becomes the NHL's highest paid player in terms of AAV, signing that massive eight-year extension with the Colorado Avalanche. What did you make when you heard that news, Adnan? Well, it's amazing. I keep thinking, when are you going to get the next $100 million guy? And, you know, McKinnon with that number, 12.6 AAV, it's, it's higher than I thought. Like, I knew you'd get $10 million a year, but I didn't think it'd be that much. But when you're a stud like that, you win a Stanley Cup, you've got the leverage, and you're ready to go. And clearly, you didn't get a straight from the iron hot. Everything's all about timing. And, you know, I really i am happy for McKinnon because I had thought the whole issue was, in the past, you know, you're a transcendent player, but you really only get paid when you win. 
So you can't be the guy that goes next big thing, next big thing. Eventually, you got to win. Unless you're McDavid, who's literally like the best player on the sport, you know, eventually you're going to be able to cross that barrier. So I think for McKinnon, it was so vital. The Avalanche, you know, they've been favorites. They've been expected to win. The fact they finally did it, it just made the organization say, okay, are we really going to be cheap with this guy? Like, if you want to cut corners, we can do it here or there. We can do that with our, you know, John Michael Lyles. We can do that with our backup bully. Mm-hmm. But let's not do that with McKinnon, okay? Let's go ahead and give McKinnon $100 million. Let's make him feel good about this long term, and, and he's a guy who's, who's worthy of that investment. Well, I'd be curious about your take on this because me and Pat talked about this, and, and you know, 12.6 wasn't out of the realm of possibility for the, either one of us. We thought that was kind of in line. We both had $13 million kind of being close to the number, but – in terms of the player and what he could have got, I think McKinnon, and I think Pat was in the same boat as me here, is one of those handful of players in the NHL, Adnan, where you would sit there and go, look, I, I can't say no. Whatever the offer was, if he really wanted to put the, the boots to the Colorado Avalanche and say, no, pay me $15 million a year or I'm not coming back, you'd probably have to do it. There's only a couple guys that have that leverage. You mentioned one of the other guys, McDavid. I mean... His next contract extension, if he says $20 million to Edmonton, are you really going to say no? There aren't guys that hold that kind of leverage in the NHL. Yeah, that's true. And that, that's my whole concern with McDavid. Like, I was like, if they, this year, they lost against the Flames. I was like, oh, man, like, just get the McDavid out of Edmonton rumors going because why is he going to hitch his wagon forever? Like, this is a different era now of hockey. In the past, you were stuck and you just played with that team and you soldiered through. Now you see the NBA, guys spent three or four years, I'm out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. So for McDavid, I'm like, he's played seven seasons. He's been the best player. Like, how many more years is he going to invest in Edmonton when he can get a King's ransom wherever he wants? Like, every team is going to open up their pocketbook. So, yeah, I, that's always interesting to me. Like, you like, okay, if McKinnon gets that, then what's McDavid worth? What's Matthews going to get? Mm-hmm. He gets crazy in a couple of years. Like, it's. It's mind-boggling how much these numbers are going to go up. It's, it's, fun. it's fun for those players, no doubt about it. Uh, optimism level for your Flyers heading into training camp? That's tough news for Couturier and Ellis oh. to potentially be done for the year. Yeah, it was so bad to see because I'm like, Couturier is a guy who's so critical of this team, had the back surgery in February. Obviously, it was a loss season. But this is year one of an eight-year deal, and the first news is, oh, he tweaked his back like during practice. You go, oh, my God, this is horrible. And him and Ellis, I'm like, those guys have to be vital cogs. Ellis is supposed to be their one or, like, number two defensive behind Provorov. Like, that's what you traded for him. And hasn't hit the ice. Like, it's awful. So, um, I think we're already looking at I – listen, I knew going in, Logan, it was going to be a fight for a playoff team or a bubble team, probably a 9-10 seed. Now, without Katuri and Ellis, it looks even more dire. The most entertaining part of this team will probably be John Tortorella's post-game scrums especially if the Flyers don't play well. I'm sure Torts will give us a few gems. But, hey, if ever there was a time to have a bad season, let's do it for Connor Bedard, right? Just a generational player. The guy's an absolute stud. I never liked tanking. I hope the Flyers play hard, play well. There's maturation, development, and they make the playoffs. But if it's looking ugly early on and the injuries pile up, my man, nothing wrong with stinking up the joint and getting a number one pick. I guess the good news is if the Flyers are going to be bad, at least the Eagles look like they're going to be uh, pretty damn good this year. <laughs> Jalen Hurts, man, look, I wasn't sold on him, Adnan, coming in. I had the same worries as everybody else, but the guy looks legit. I, I really like what Hurts is doing so far. Yeah, he's looked awesome. And in the past, I was like, he's got to be more than just a running quarterback. Like, I, 
I said, lifelong Eagles fan. I was talking the other day. I just went Eagles fan. Randall Cunningham, of course, yeah. And then Michael Vick, like Phillies and Donovan McNabb. Long lineage here of quarterbacks that can use their legs to make plays. But after a while, you got to prove you can make plays with your arms. You're a quarterback first and foremost. But I love the fact you can make moves and play action and bootlegs and quarterback draws, but you've got to be able to thread the needle on third and long. And so far, Hertz has done that, which has been awfully impressive to me. Um, when they first drafted him, I thought that's a wasted pick. Wentz is the quarterback. What are you doing? Getting some help. Last year as a starter, I thought he was really inconsistent. Again, 764 yards rushing, that's awesome. But I'm like, this guy isn't passing nearly enough for my liking. But so far, so great. I mean, I watched every play in that Vikings game, and I'm like, man, he lit it up. Whether it was the deep balls and, you know, the chemistry of Devontae Smith has chemistry with A.J. Brown. I didn't realize they're good friends even prior to the trade, so they're hitting the ground running. Dallas Goddard's a really good tight end. Miles Sanders, obviously, very good running back. If their whole offensive line stays healthy, I mean, that's, that's a pretty dynamic offense. And I always look at the schedule. You know, in baseball, it's different. In baseball, you say, well, 20 remaining games against teams under 500. Like, well, they can go up and down. Like, you know, the Mets might sweep the Pirates and might get beat up. But in football, you can really look at that schedule and it makes sense. And for Philly, I remember looking, going, okay, they, they should go 4-0, if not 3-1 and out of the gate. Halfway there right now, 2-0. Commanders on the road, division team, but they're the better team. Week four, Jacksonville at home. Uh, you got the Cowboys, week six, going into a bye. I mean, this, this feels like a 5-1 team. Now, again, I, I know it's hard to predict these things, but I'm with you on Hurts. If he can continue to play at this high level, that's phenomenal news for Philadelphia. Uh, and before we let you go, a new episode of Cinephile has dropped today. Uh, what do you got for us in the latest edition? I had a great interview with a guy named Stephen Galloway. He is the author of a book called uh, Truly Madly, and it's about Lords Olivier and Vivian Lee. And before you say snore, I promise you, he's got tremendous stories. Olivier is, you know, the great British actor of all time, but led a fascinating life. It riddled with guilt, was kind of a nerd growing up, but then made up for it in a lot of ways with many affairs over the years. Vivian Lee, star of Gone with the Wind and later streetcar named Desire with Brando, she suffered very cripplingly from bipolar disease before everyone knew what bipolar was. They just thought it was bouts of madness. She had her own affairs, drug problems, booze, etc. So he's got incredible stories of old Hollywood. Stephen Galloway, very funny guy, very entertaining. Also reviewed Sam Rockwell's new film, See How They Run. I'm a huge Rockwell fan, whether it's Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, uh, or whatever he does. I, I, I'm in for Rockwell. And also, um, I look back at, uh, that's right, Breathless. Jean-Luc Godard passed away, the great French filmmaker, died at the age of 91, classic of international cinema. So we kind of ran the gamut here, old-school edition of Cinephile. I encourage people to check it out. Looking forward to it. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. Adnan, you're the best. Uh, quickly, before I let you go, uh, does Judge do it tonight, or is he going to give you uh, a chance at maybe seeing it Sunday? <laughs> I'm being selfish. I feel like he's going to make me – he's going to reward me and my faith in him. So I'm going to say he doesn't do it tonight. I think he gets 61 either Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. And then when I am in attendance, I think I'm going to see 62 on Sunday Night Baseball. How about that? Uh, I love you, but uh, I'm not going to lie. As soon as you told me that you were thinking about it and then kind of backed off of it, I knew Judge was going to hit 61 tonight. Uh, it's going to happen. Hopefully 62 is <laughs> still there for you, pal. Uh, you're the best, Ferg. Take it easy, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right, you too, Logan. You're probably right. Talk to <laughs> See you, Adnan. There you go. Adnan Verk, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast joining us here on Sportsnet today. we got to get out of the way. Flames Talk with Pat is coming up next. Don't miss it. Just after 3.30, uh, exclusive interview. Pat with the Flames General Manager, Brad Treliving, coming up here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.